Observer Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have a number of people we're going to be talking with today. But our first guest is uh, Seattle City Council member, Shauna Sawant. She represents the Central District, and there's been a lot of activity about around certain issues in the Central District as of late. Uh, I do want to say that uh, uh, the latest activity that she's been involved with, where I've witnessed her standing up for uh, New Hope Baptist Church and fighting against uh, gentrification that led to uh, the, uh, the church losing property under duress uh, during the so-called urban renewal, which I deem black removal. So Councilmember Schwant, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And why don't you take a minute or so and tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background. Thank you so much, Edith, for having me here. As you mentioned, I'm the District 3 council member in Seattle and that this district encompasses the central district and also neighborhoods like Capitol Hill. And in fact, uh, that's really important to note because this, this center of the city, the heart of the city has been uh, gentrification ground zero where you know 20 years ago, these neighborhoods had somewhat affordable housing for many of our working class communities, not to mention communities of color, working families of color. And then we've seen what skyrocketing rents have done, which has ravaged uh, the community's affordable housing. And so many of our um, people who used to live here, even five or six years ago, have been pushed out. I, uh, and every time I walk in the Central District, I hear from people who said, you know, I grew up here or my grandmother or mother had their house here, but now it's long gone. So I think the New Hope affordable housing project that you mentioned associated with the New Hope Missionary Baptist Church and its senior pastor, Reverend Jeffrey, and leaders like yourself, Eddie. I think this is very crucial because it's an example of what we need. It's not enough by itself. It will be hard to win, but it's not enough. Uh, uh, it, it, it's important because, if first of all, it's talking about close to 90 affordable homes for our uh, black working class households to come back to the neighborhood when they were pushed out. And as you said, uh, a, a big reason why that happened was this very, uh, very systematic and legalized racist redlining called the Urban Renewal Project in the past. And so the resolution that's coming up for a vote from our office, from our community, is to not only acknowledge the past wrongs, but also to make sure that this housing project is funded. Yeah, Councilmember Sawan, I must say, though, you use uh, uh, communities of color. There were other communities of color, but the central area was over 80% black. So I want to make sure that our listening audience don't miss the point, because I grew up in the central area myself. So uh, there are several initiatives that uh, Reverend Jeffrey's undertaken. But before we even go there, uh, I wanted to talk with you about the city's position on, in terms of uh, providing uh, they, I guess there was uh, $30 million that was available to go to various community groups and the black community and other communities. Uh, do you know where that is? I know it was out of the mayor's office, but do you have any idea what came to the central area and more specifically what came to the black community? I think that's a very important question. And just to back up uh, one second, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge what you said. Absolutely. We are not talking about communities of color in general only. We are absolutely talking specifically about how the black community was pushed out of the central district. And you said it used to be uh, the majority black central district, and now you have 16 to 18%. So you, we, it's, it's, it's very much been a black removal project as you have described. 
And in the wake of the courageous Black Lives Matter protests last summer, there was a lot of pressure on the democratic establishment to fund community needs versus a bloated police budget, and also taking into account the, 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 the glaring lack of affordable housing and the funding for associated services for communities to actually be able to survive and thrive. And through that discussion, as you know, last year during the Black Lives Matter protest, we were able to win the Amazon tax. And in, as part of that Amazon tax, we also, in fact, alongside Reverend Jeffrey and other pastors in the Black clergy and other clergy members, other leaders of faith, we were able to push on the city to expand the funds in the Amazon tax specifically to allocate for Black community housing. And you know, associated with all of that was also the push for the $30 million. And as of now, those $30 million have not been allocated. But what did happen, as you know, from um, many of the leaders uh, in from the Black Lives Matter movement were uh, invited to participate in um, what was what came to be called as a Black Brilliance project. And that was a project that was done, which made recommendations for how the $30 million should be used. That's how it, uh, that's how far it's gone. Okay, uh, so now let's turn to black business. Do you have any idea what percentage of business is going to, I'll be very specific, African descendants from the United States enslaved? I use that because we have, we've been here 400 years, we've died in every war, and we saw what happened at Black Wall Street, we saw what happened after the Civil War during Reconstruction. Uh, you know, if we would have got to 40 acres on the mule and had over a thousand elected appointed officials, we would own the South. There's more black people in than white folks down there. But once again, a deal was made where uh, Jefferson Davis and, and the Confederate president, uh, 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 I mean, the Confederate general Robert E. Lee were made martyrs of. And we see the same thing right now. We have uh, January 6th insurrection, the overthrow of the government on the day that the election is being validated. And one of the guys, the white guy, gets eight months. A black man will get two years for stealing the Snickers candy bar at the mini market. So this is what we're still dealing with. That January 6th mentality, it permeates all of American society in every every rank and category. I go through Renton, I see 100 workers, not one black. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. And I just want to know, do you have any idea what the city of Seattle is doing with my brothers and sisters in contracting also as an, in employment? I have to say, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I am not bearer of good news in the sense that the city establishment, which I'm not a part of, you know, I'm, I'm very much fighting alongside ordinary people and that includes small businesses, uh, especially the African-American businesses, as you said, you know, correctly, that have been decimated. But unfortunately, what we have seen from most of the Democratic council members and the establishment as a whole in our city, which is not Republican, it's Democrat, there is a lot of rhetoric and very little to show for what they're doing. So just to give you an example, there was a lot, there's been a lot of talk about small businesses and small businesses, especially Black-owned businesses have you know, have had a hard time over the decades, but especially bore the brunt or were among those who bore the brunt of the pandemic and the economic crisis last year. But if you look at the number of dollars that have gone to small businesses, let alone black owned small businesses, that's a fraction of what big corporations got in the bailout. And you can see that at the city level, at the state level, and also at the federal level, that's where we are. And so we do need to get organized. Okay, well, I'm just saying, uh, you being in the position you're in and understanding our plight, do you have any initiatives or have you put forth any uh, commitments or any uh, kind of resolutions to include us? 
Because I tell you right now, you talk about what happened during the pandemic to Blacks. Blacks uh, businesses have had a pandemic for the last 23 years because we've not had affirmative action. And, uh, you know, right now, we need people to encourage folks to rescind Governor Gary Locke's uh, Governor's Directive 98-01 that killed affirmative action and have Governor Jay Inslee sign an executive order restoring affirmative action. But a lot of local governments can do things on their own. It's just the commitment has to be there. And I'd just like to know what kind of uh, initiatives would you be championing to bring about equity for businesses owned by African descendants of the United States enslaved? and other businesses owned by Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I mean, again, to be clear, I, I want to be crystal clear to your listeners and viewers. I am not part of the political establishment. So you, uh, it's not it, it's not accurate to say, well, but I'm you are state, you are representative on the city council. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm and I'm and I'm and we've been fighting for uh, ordinary people, including the black community for nearly eight years. We have won the $15 minimum wage, which, for example, benefited black people disproportionately we won the amazon tax that is yeah. going to fund affordable <laughs> no, no, housing. let's go back let's go back to the I, city itself yeah, yeah, 15 dollars yeah. an hour yeah this you is cannot this is live in burien making 15 dollars an hour yes and but, that's why but, people are not returning to work but, for 15 dollars an hour because by the time they get to work buy lunch and pay for child care they'd have to borrow five or six hundred dollars a week just for expenses but absolutely. I appreciate your efforts. I do appreciate your uh, efforts. Absolutely. I'm not, look, we're, nobody's claiming, look, we have to understand how things happen, okay? Nobody's claiming that $15 an hour is enough. My point is that even to win that small measure of justice, we had to fight. And the way we won was mm -hmm. actually mobilizing ordinary people, including black workers on the ground. And in fact, there were many black small businesses who supported it. So if we want to win similar things, my point is that if you want to win similar things for black owned businesses, which I am absolutely on your side to win, I'm, I'm being perfectly honest with you. I, I don't want to mislead or lie to the people who are watching and listening by saying, oh, you just need to talk to me and things will get done. No, things don't get done that way. I, I promise you. Even no, you have to get busy. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you all we, the way. You we, know, yeah, you that's what I'm saying. So that, so that's all we I'm have saying. To be organized, so, and I'm yeah. not putting all the blame on you. No, but no, we do I have mean, to be it's organized. No, no, no. But I want you to speak up on our behalf because you yeah. represent, even though we don't live in the Central District anymore, the symbolism is Yes, and absolutely. And Eddie, there is no, there is no, absolutely no shortage of me speaking out. The point is that me alone cannot achieve it because there are eight other council offices which are actually not on our side. That is the that is the lay of the land. Whether you like it or not, that is the way it is. So okay. the way we shift the balance of power is by organizing ordinary people. So even to win this small thing, which is the New Hope Affordable Housing Project, which is- That's a big thing, that's, not, that's no, a big no, thing. It, it is a big thing. But if you look at the money it will cost compared to how much wealth there is in the city, that is a small thing is what I mean. You know, it is it is the bare minimum that we need for our community. And even that, I, I promise you, you know, we are we are pushing for a vote on August 2nd. I promise you it will be it will get postponed by at least a week. They will say that we cannot fund this because there are other projects to fund. They will use divide and conquer. And that is how they have done that. The way they have oppressed the black community specifically is by using this kind of divide and conquer strategy. So I think the best approach for us to win anything, whether it is for black small businesses or black working families, we have to fight together. And one of the things that we need to win 
is commercial rent control, it's funding for black uh, uh, owned businesses. But those funds, you know, you cannot, you cannot just say funding for black small businesses. Where are those funds going to come from? It's by taxing big business. So if we don't get organized to win all of that, we are not going to win anything. Okay, well, uh, Councilmember Sawant, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for your passion. And thank you very much for your commitment to the people. And very, I really want to thank you for your commitment to New Hope uh, getting justice. So thank you very much. And we'll be in touch and see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, then. Bye-bye. We have uh, Reverend Willie Seals, Jr., uh, senior pastor at the Christ of Spirit Church uh, of Seattle, who also was one of the speakers uh, on the Saturday rally in support of New Hope. Uh, being a property returned to them that was seized, I say seized, during the urban renewal, uh, black removal policies that were implemented in black communities all across this country, which has led us to where we are today. So do we have uh, Reverend Willie Seals on? Yes. Reverend Seals, how you doing, sir? Good evening, Eddie. How are you today? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, we just finished talking to uh, CL City Council member uh, Shauna Sawant who is one of the sponsors or the sponsor of uh, the property being returned uh, to New Hope that was uh, uh, seized during uh, the urban renewal in the 60s. And I guess they had forced them to sign a deal for $35,000. The property's worth $2 million now. Uh, but uh, we just got kind of uh, what uh, Councilmember Sawant said is that there seems to be some resistance. But I'd just like to have you uh, take a minute or two and give our listeners a, a little bit about your background as a senior pastor of the Christ Spirit Church and all the other things you've done because you also were at Cherry Hill and you got a uh, tiny home village uh, taking care of the, pe the people who were homeless. So go right ahead, sir. Uh, thank you, Eddie, for the opportunity to, uh, to speak on the issues of housing. Uh, I'm Willie Seals, Jr., uh, senior pastor of the Christ Spirit Church, formerly the Cherry Hill Baptist Church uh, located in the uh, central area of Seattle. Uh, as many of you know, uh, we face uh, the gentrification issue ourselves as a church, uh, as so many other residents uh, of the central area. And we face a, a situation where the community has had completely changed, but also um, we, we wanted to stay where we were and, and we had to do some remodeling on the property that, um, that we were in. And one of the things that another form of uh, gentrification that sometimes we don't look at is, is from the lending institutions. Uh, uh, that's another way that has been used for, uh, for long- That's called redlining. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah redlining. Uh, that has been used, and we went to a many uh, the lending institution in whom we have been doing business with as a church, and the complication that was involved regarding that process was was just really outrageous. Even though you have um, Cherry Hill had been in the community over seventy some years and had been doing business as a uh, faith-based organization, but as well as uh, the banks. And uh, we was flat told that uh, they could not help us. And, 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 and because of uh, the condition of the property, we did wind up selling that piece of property 
and moved to our new location. We are only uh, eight minutes from our old location. We're in the Beacon Hill area uh, at this time um, where God allowed us to acquire additional property. And we know that other churches and many people haven't been as fortunate as uh, we were but we still maintain property in the center area at this time, as uh, Eddie alluded to the fact that uh, we are involved with the tiny housing project. Uh, we was able to hook up with um, Lehigh um, Low Income Housing Institute um, through uh, Pastor Jeffries and Pastor Willis uh, to address the issue uh, of, of homelessness uh, uh, in the area. And while we was there on Cherry, we did uh, work with Tent City, the property that where the tiny houses is located now, was used to host Tent City on numerous occasions. And that has been part of our mandate of, of, of housing um, or trying to house people who is struggling at this time. And we, we are very much supporting the effort of uh, a new hope uh, as it relates to uh, the reparation regarding not only redlining, but uh, urban renewal, as well as uh, the intimate domain that um, city officials have used those tools in the, in the past to acquire property. So we are on board 100% with New Hope. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Monday uh, at 11 o'clock, we're asking everyone to come out to New Hope Church and, and sign up where they can lend their voice uh, uh, to call the city um, on Monday at, at two o'clock. But we want everybody to come out to New Hope at 11 o'clock and sign up. We do have a voice in this matter. And not only do we have a voice, we, we have a vote, Eddie. Uh, right now, uh, Seattle is in the, uh, in the season of, of politicians uh, uh, trying to be reelected. So I think this is a good time that these issues is being addressed. And um, Eddie, I just want to uh, elaborate on, 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 on this issue. So many other um, uh, ethnicity group have make, been making their appeal to city government regarding certain funding. And they have used the acronym, the BIPOP, uh, uh, community, but I, I want to say to your audience uh, today, um, it, black has black people has been at the forefront of this issue since since the beginning of time, and and it's time for us to say we want money specified for the black community, the black individual. We have we have been very generous and bringing others alone and seem like others have be, have allowed to go to the trough. Uh, that's a Southern terminology, Eddie, if you don't, uh, if, <laughs> to the trough. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, oh, years, like, oh okay, Eddie. It has beaten us to the trough. Uh, we just found a few months ago how uh, the, the Japanese community uh, was able to get direct funding uh, for their cause. And, and we want to say to our community at large and to the city officials, it's time for you to really just designate. Uh, I know there's a lot of agencies out there, but we are working in collaboration with many groups. Uh, but we want to identify. We want the city government to identify 
the Black League organization, as well as the entities that, that, that is Black from top to bottom, that these funding is going directly for them. And uh, along with New Hope, the Christ Spirit Church has a feasibility study uh, that is in the hands of uh, city officials now regarding low-income housing as well. We, we have a project that anticipating uh, in terms of the solution to the homeless crisis. And, and the tiny homes are, are practically a temporary fix uh, 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 for the homeless crisis. It's just an avenue, a door for them to come in. But we do have uh, an additional solution into permanent housing. And we do have a, a, a project that's, uh, that's uh, in place regarding six to seven units to go on that piece of property on uh, on uh, 22nd and Cherry. Well, Pastor Seals, I want to say you mentioned earlier, I had uh, suggested over the past four or five years, several members of the Congressional Black Caucus, that we have for the African descendants, United States enslaved, has been here 400 years, matter of fact, 254 years of slavery, and had not been for African-Americans, we're the ones that's responsible for the wealth of this country right now. Because anytime you get 254 years of free labor, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Uh, but to have a, a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved in every federal agency, we have their, our own department. And then just talk about reparations later. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's something we just got to keep pushing. Uh, my earlier guest, uh, City Council Member Sawant, you know, I raised the same issues with her. Uh, you know, she, I know she's battling, she's on the right side of the New Hope issue. But we'd still got to have a champion looking out for us. I know that, you know, she, a lot of folks represent all people of color. The problem is, if you look at the numbers, African descendants of the United States enslaved are not doing well at all. And uh, we're the most patriotic group of people in this country. We built the joint for free. We died in every war. And we've come back and even in segregated armies and came back to racism and discrimination. And we're still being confronted with the same thing. So I'm glad that the clergy is involved and out front as always. So what is uh, the next step for, uh, we're gonna have the meeting on, meetings on Monday at, two, at 11 o'clock at New Hope? That is correct. Uh, for everyone to start signing up and where they can lend their voice uh, at the uh, city council meeting at two o'clock on Monday. Okay. Uh, I just, uh, council member Sawant kind of indicated that the meeting might be postponed. So I think we need to confirm that and uh, to make sure that, but you know, whatever we have to do to support uh, our inclusion uh, and see, have stuff that restored to us that was taken. I mean, so people talk about Black Wall Street. We have a whole bunch of Black Wall Streets all across this country, all, all uh, happening to our people everywhere you look. I mean, I can even hear, remember stories about brothers coming back from World War II and the Korean War down south and getting beat up by some drunk guys, you know, so. We've, we've dealt with the worst. But uh, Pastor uh, Willie Seals, before you go, is there anything like you got to say in, in closing? Yes, I would like to say this. Let us not lose sight of, of the ballot that has came has already came through the mail, the mayor. And, and keep these kind of, there are still forms regarding the mayor and the city council uh, who is running for these positions. And when you have the opportunity, uh, hold these candidates to the fire on these issues. You do have not only a, a voice, but you do have a vote. And just please do so and exercise your right. Uh, and, and, and it's just time to hold them accountable 
for the issues that is pertinent uh, to the black community. All right, Reverend Willie Seals Jr., thank you very much, and we'll be talking with you soon. Okay, thank you so much, Eddie. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with uh, Mayor Jimmy Mata from Burien after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington, or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Before we go to my next guest, I want to say I want to thank Sound Transit's Labor and Civil Rights Office, Leslie Jones and John Tay Robinson, Port of Sales University Contracting Office, led by me and Rice, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, Liz Alzir and Posse, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, the two Desert Storm veterans, Ronald Mill and Jerry Whitsitt. Business might pick up at SeaTac pretty soon, a concourse of sessions with David Fukuhara. He has several shops out there as well, hoping that the traffic picks up. Do we have uh, the Chairman Lyle Kwasim on the line? I, I, I am on the line. Can you hear me? Chairman Kwasim, I'm glad you are very timely. Uh, uh, we're going to try to uh, get Wayne in early. I gave him a different time. But uh, okay. since I got, you know, I, I will go ahead right now. Now, uh, this, uh, uh, first of all, you know, you've been on before, but I still would like to have you take a minute and share, because you have such a historical background. There will be a book called LQ, Lyle Poisson, <laughs> eventually. So I just, I mean, you've had some of the most prestigious positions in the state, and especially for your brother that got in a fight. And the man fired him, and then had to pay you a whole bunch of money for doing the wrong thing. I mean, you have, you have a story and a half to tell. So why don't you just take a few minutes and share with our listening audience that don't know much about Lyle Kwasim, about Lyle Kwasim. And, and uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Eddie. Um, and and I'd like to say uh, thank you for allowing me to be on your program. And um, as a host, you don't look for accolades, but... 
um, of the people in the state that I uh, look up to and respect, um, you're in that category, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity. So, uh, I, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago, uh, and, uh, um, and, and people think Chicago is rough now. <laughs> it was really rough <laughs> back, back in the day. And uh, I had an opportunity to uh, be protected and um, uh, in high school and eventually went to college uh, during the civil rights movement, uh, was uh, excommunicated from a couple of college uh, uh, institutions and was drafted into the military and came here in the Pacific Northwest and, uh, as a member of the military. Went to uh, the University of Puget Sound uh, and to Pacific Lutheran University to get undergraduate and graduate degrees. I, I, I have been uh, the recipient of a lot of assistance here. And as a result of that, I got my first appointment from Governor Dixie Lee Ray uh, to be the first non-physician to run the state psychiatric hospitals. And there were four of them at the time, Western State Hospital, Eastern State Hospital, Child Study and Treatment Center, and Northern State Hospital. And uh, it was just an interesting job. I had a, a, I reported to a psychiatrist and I supervised four psychiatrists. <laughs> and I was a non-physician, non-psychiatrist person in the middle of that. And everything I learned in Chicago, I needed to utilize to stay alive in that job. Uh, eventually was uh, appointed by uh, uh, John Spellman um, uh, to uh, be the uh, uh, mental health director. So I'm old enough to have been, uh, been appointed by the last Republican governor <laughs> in the state of Washington, which really goes way back. Uh, I was eventually uh, fired by a good friend of mine by the name of Booth Gardner, who had been the county executive. And uh, he and I were very good friends. But uh, when I came, to, when he came to be the governor, I was already a state mental health director. And it's, 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 it's very difficult for um, uh, uh, some people, um, especially uh, some white liberals, uh, to actually deal with you on a um, uh, a basis of competence and equality. And, you know, as long as they think that you're helping you do something, they're very happy. But if you say to them, I can help you do something, <laughs> they say, well, that's not the role that we see. And and the reason that I was um, uh, fired by the government uh, wasn't for an issue of uh, inability to perform the responsibilities of the job. It was that I was uh, pretty confident in my skills and abilities, and I saw him as the governor, but I, I didn't see myself as intellectually or socially or academically subservient to uh, him just because he got elected to, as the governor. So I was fired uh, as the governor, I mean, as the um, uh, state mental health director. And when uh, Mike Lowry became governor, uh, he asked me to come back and he said one of the things that he wanted was a person in a position that would speak uh, truth to power and tell him the truth if he needed to know the truth. And so. Um, I was uh, appointed as assistant secretary and eventually appointed as the secretary of DSHS by Governor Mike Lowry. And um, that was uh, just a wonderful moment for me. Uh, Governor um, uh, Gary Locke, when he came into office, he reappointed me. Uh, and Gary was a, a great guy because I didn't support him as governor initially. I supported Norm Rice. And um, a lot of the people who were around Gary were disappointed that he reappointed me. As the, as the Secretary of the Department of Social and Health Services. I, I went on to do that. I retired in, two, in, in the year 2000. Um, in, uh, in, in 
2001 became the deputy county executive in Pierce County uh, under John Ladenberg, who was a county executive. And I managed 16 uh, departments. And he was a Republican. And uh, no, no, John, John, John was a Democrat. Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah, he, he, he was a Democrat. Uh, but uh, 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 so we did eight years uh, together uh, in Pierce County when he lost the uh, election for attorney general. I was I went on to um, uh, become the um, uh, president at Bates Technical College, one of the one of the uh, part of the state's community and technical college system. Did that for three and a half years. Then I went on to be the uh, advisor to uh, the chancellor of the University of Washington in Tacoma. Uh, and uh, then I retired about seven years ago. So it's a long, long and winding uh, road. So now you're just on about 15 committees. <laughs> and, 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 and I love it, Eddie. I love I uh, working. I love working uh, with the Civil Rights Committee, which uh, which you uh, formulated and asked me to join. And I uh, respect you and your leadership uh, as a part of that committee. Uh, you just mentioned Sound Transit. I'm on the uh, uh, Diversity Oversight uh, Board of Sound Transit. And, and uh, you know, I'm 78 years old. I have a lot of energy. Um, and I am uh, believe in civic engagement. I'm struggling on behalf of Black people. So I get up every morning uh, very happy. Okay. Lyle, I want you to hold on. The Wayne's going to come on a little later, but I've okay. got near Jimmy Mata on hold. You can stay okay. on and we can zoom back in. Oh, oh, no, no, no problem. problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. So, uh, Eric, uh, let's go to, to uh, Mayor Mata. Eddie, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, hi, everybody. And hi to you, Eddie, always bringing us the information to our local community. So I really appreciate that. Yes, well, we appreciate what you've been enduring out there in Burien, brother. You would think that things have changed. Uh, you've had, uh, first of all, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and let people know who you are and give them about a minute or so about your yeah. background. Sounds good. Well, my name is Jimmy Mata, raised in eastern Washington as a farm worker, became a labor leader at 22, worked for the unions for about 22 years. I've always been engaged and involved. Um, I decided to run into politics, and when I ran for politics, it's been brutal, right, when I first got, ran as a Latino. As an American Latino, because I was born in the United States in Preston, Idaho, and so there is some brown people in Idaho. Um, and so, you know, uh, when I first ran, um, Eddie, you know, I, my uncle uh, got punched with brass knuckles in the jaw. He's 72 years old. Didn't steal from him. Didn't take his beer. Just They just dropped him. You know, had vehicles revving up their engines in front of my door. They chased uh, or they followed my uh, kid's mom and my uh, daughter to their home. Somebody got arrested for driving over my signs. There's a group. Uh, in Burian, who's always, you know, just saying some negative things. So it incited somebody to grab me by the neck, cut my arm. So that really helped the Washington State because we were able to change uh, the law in the state. We didn't have hate crime before in the state. It was malicious harassment. We have hate crime uh, identified in the state now. On top of that, you know, I'm going for my reelection. And, you know, there's some people that don't believe that uh, Americans should be brown. So <laughs> I can't help that. And, uh, you know, there's some signs put up here recently here in Burien where there's lightning bolts, right? To me, it, it just, there was two lightning bolts. When I saw these signs with these colors, they, they look at the work of white supremacy. And so what I'm saying is, look, anything that feels, looks, or even has a meaning that is white supremacy, we're just not going to tolerate in this, this in this town. 
people should not be suppressed or scared by thugs who what they're doing is really scaring uh, people. You know, I'm a candidate. Um, my signs are being tore out. They're being cut up. Uh, you have, other, you know, somebody defaced my sign uh, with corrupt, you know, and that's, that goes against even what I was taught as a young man. You know, I was just reading a, a letter that my dad passed away at 48, uh, Eddie, from a drug overdose. You know, he's a, he's a drug addict, and I love him, but that's, you know, that's an illness he had. But he says, my son, Jimmy, I'm proud of you, so don't let me down. Remember, you have a job to do. On a daily basis, discipline yourself and be honest. And that takes a lot of work. That's what it takes to be successful in life. You know, that their sentence, that's a letter from my dad to me, right? And that's how I grew up is we got to take the bull by the horn. You know, we got, we are getting these streets divided by labels, communist Democrats, or we have others that are saying that they're uh, uh, socialist Democrats, or, um, you know, we have other ones that they're saying that they're, you know, uh, uh, lefties or righties or you know um you know we have a problem in this country that we got to just stop the labels what is your platform of, sh- of situations that we have going on on the streets which is our unhoused people mental health and also there's those individuals Eddie, in our communities that are you know career criminals right career criminals there's a difference between being poor from being a career criminal and so I want to really distinguish that right in the city is that, you know, we got to work together. These streets aren't Republican streets. They're not Democrat streets. They're our streets. We all have to walk through them. Our children have to go to the same schools. The same law enforcement is supposed to be taking care of community. And there's the numbers don't lie. Latinos and blacks have been killed in this country I mean, it's by the, and on, from the hands of police. So the question is, OK, how do we make sure that we address this? Right. Push back on, you know, some of the things that have been put in place uh, to allow some of this to happen. But we also have those officers that put their you know, lives on the line every day. They have mom, they have dads, they have children. And so here in Burien, I'm pushing Eddie to really make sure that we're all counted, that we can all vote, that we, if you want to run for office, you're black or brown, there shouldn't be anybody intimidating you with having the right to run for office. And so I uh, did file a report, not necessarily on those other signs, though, but they didn't identify who made these signs. I'm giving $2,000, not because of the signs, because, you know, people say, well, that's free speech. Well, it's free speech if you know who's saying it. Uh, these, these signs came overnight, so it's organized. They defaced my signs with corrupt. Well, if you're going to say that, prove it, uh, and then go to the Department of Justice or go to any federal agency and make sure you file a complaint. Right now, I have the citizens, um, you know, uh, this group uh, that wants to see my books. My books are open for my campaign. So, you know, it's it's this whole thing about they send us their worst, their criminals, their rapists. I mean, this is the same, um, you know, stuff that stayed over from the Donald Trump administration. We got to get past this. We got to make sure we're building our cities. We're leading with services, and so that's what I got going. Mayor Mata, I just want to say. Uh, that January 6th crowd is all across America. And we can't discount the mentality of those folks working hand in hand with Republican legislators to deny us access to the ballot. So uh, I appreciate you know, your enthusiasm and your attempts to be inclusive. But uh, you, know, you also had another uh, issue where uh, you were actually physically assaulted by a white supremacist out in Burien. Well, you know, I'm not sure if he was tied to an organization, but I got to tell you, his actions were based on me supporting Sanctuary City, 
me support me being Latino, you know, and so you know, I wasn't going to put up with that. So I filed charges, right? And so I'm not going to put up with it. And people are trying to, you know, some people are trying to make sure that I don't give my message. And this is these aren't new tactics. We lived them in nine, before 1964, before we got the civil rights in this country, and we're just in a new second phase of civil rights in our country. And we're going to keep pushing. Especially the struggle. This is subtle, which is even worse. Okay. Well, Jimmy Mata, man, I think I, I got to get you to come back so we can keep, uh, keep uh, you know, information flowing to people. And uh, I know that Burien now is a desired place for people to locate that can get downtown Seattle and other workplaces in a hurry. So I want to thank you very much, brother. And, and you know, this you so is so much. A- and I just want to send a message to our black and brown community out there. Let's stay positive. Let's stay together. Let's stop shooting ourselves. Let's come together. Let's build what was built in 1964. You know what was built? Marches, togetherness. There was no splitting apart. We had white, brown, Latinos, and Asians fighting for civil rights. Let's bring it back. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, my brother. Over the years, my brother. Okay, then. All right, Jimmy Mata. Thank Thank you you very much. Mayor Jimmy Mata of Burien, Washington. We're going to take a break and come right back, hopefully with Wayne Williams and Lyle Quasel. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, we're back at Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. And I've been joined by my next guest, who is uh, Wayne Williams. He is a member of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elected, and he is a Kinsey Exhibit Community Advisory Committee member. And also we have retained... Uh, the chairman of the, the uh, Tacoma uh, Pierce County Black Collective and the man of uh, many titles over his uh, <laughs> long career, Lyle Quasim. So, uh, Mr. Wayne Williams, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about the exhibit that's coming to Tacoma? And the grand opening is uh, the kickoff is on uh, July 31st. 
That's correct. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie, Mr. Rye. So the Kinsey African-American Art and History Collection is at Tacoma Art Museum, uh, again, starting July 31st through November 28th. And it is a collection of um, art, artifacts, uh, and contributions of Black Americans as far back as 1595. It's considered one of the most comprehensive private collections of African-American history and culture outside of the, uh, the Smithsonian. It reflects uh, Bernard and Shirley Kinsey, their travels around the world for 50 years. And they have amassed a collection of, um, again, photographs, books, letters, manuscripts, authenticated uh, manuscripts, I might say. Um, but I think the key thing to realize is that this collection presents a lot of facts in history that you don't find in the history books. And so a part of the exhibit is to better educate the community. And even though it's in Tacoma, which is really significant because this is the first time it will be shown in the Pacific Northwest. But even though it's in Tacoma, we really want this to be a regional event. Uh, from, from Oregon to the Canadian border. And we do have people coming in from around the country. It's been shown in over 31 cities uh, in the United States and around the world, uh, being viewed by more than 15 million people. And so uh, we are really pleased to have it here in the, in the Northwest. Um, and we can talk a little bit about the opening activities this weekend. Um, there will be a block party starting at 1 tomorrow. It's free, uh, 1 to 8. Uh, the public viewings will start at 10 a.m. Uh, you do need to register for it. And uh, the primary uh, presentation made by the Kinsey's is Sunday at 2 o'clock at Tacoma Art Museum. And they will speak to one of their themes, uh, and that is the myth of absence. And what that is, is, uh, again, history does not convey how much influence uh, Black Americans had on, on this nation and around the world. And that's the myth of absence. So they will be filling in the gaps. I want to see, uh, I know Lyle is also involved. I'd like to have a... Uh, Chairman Kwasim make some comments. Um, the the only comment I will want to make, uh, uh, Eddie, is that again, it's it begins on the thirty first of um, July, which is Saturday uh, at ten o'clock, um, and uh, we would hope as many people could come and and be a part of that uh, block party as we extend uh, on into uh, the evening. The block party is right across the street from the art. Um, uh, museum, uh, and uh, it'll be a, a wonderful occasion for all of us to uh, commune and talk with one another and prepare ourselves to uh, witness this outstanding presentation of African-American uh, art um, um, from all over the world. And I want to ask uh, Wayne, uh, you mentioned that people have to, have to register. Can you uh, give my listening audience uh, the information for to get registered? Yeah, let me just give them uh, TacomaArtMuseum.org. 
So if you go there, Tacoma Art Museum, one word, dot org, then you can uh, navigate to all the individual events. So I, I would say do that, please. Um, and they also will be listing uh, future planned events through November. So again, TacomaArtMuseum.org. Okay. Now you said you also had uh, some information in terms of an agenda of what was going to be transpiring at the block party and at other events. They, the block party, uh, what, what they have done and what the community uh, advisory committee has done there are artists, local artists, uh, Black-owned restaurants, uh, local musicians uh, that are lined up to be a part of this block party. So one of the things we wanted to do was to amplify local talent and artistry and achievement um, you know, around the exhibit. And so I don't have the exact lineup. <clears throat> no, I understand. Yeah. And once again, that now that will be Saturday. Starting at Good. 1 o'clock. Is there anything going on on Friday? There is There is an opening session, a VIP session, uh, but it's not a general public. Uh, okay. Event. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just talk about the public. So the next one that people can register for will be on Saturday. They have to register for the block party as well as. Uh, they don't have to register for the block party but they will start viewing the exhibit at 10, but you do have okay. to register for that. To go inside, okay. Okay, and uh, Chairman Kwasim, uh, any updates on from the Black Collective on, uh, I know there's a couple other issues. Wayne, if we've covered everything about uh, <clears throat> uh, the yeah. uh, Kinsey uh, exhibit, I wanted to go a couple of real important issues that people in around the area need to hear about. And I think one was you guys were selecting a police chief and congratulations to Dr. Sheila Edward Lang. I guess you guys hired her to be the chancellor of the Tacoma campus. She leads Seattle Central College. And uh, so, Wayne, I, I mean, and Lyle, I know there was a couple other things in terms of, <clears throat> and Wayne, you might not be on that committee, but uh, the police, the search for the police chief in, in Tacoma, and also the, I don't, know, I, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about the sheriff. What is the status uh, of that? Chairman. So, so, so let me just quickly say, uh, it has been, uh, uh, I've been informed that the attorney general will uh, complete uh, the uh, investigation, the criminal investigation into the activities of uh, Sheriff Ed Troyer um, in uh, the next week or so. Uh, that's very important uh, in terms of how we move forward with the sheriff, uh, again, with policing in Pierce County, uh, the um, opportunity to get a new uh, police chief. Uh, the Black Collective is uh, right in the middle of that process of the recruiting, of the interviewing, uh, of uh, making recommendations to the city manager and the city council about who the next police chief would be. Uh, we are also um, uh, engaged in the uh, process of looking at the next uh, contract for the two police locals, Local 6 and 26, um, that will be uh, in the room uh, 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 reviewing uh, those processes as they are developed. Um, so there are a lot of things happening around uh, the, the, the police uh, side of issues. We're so happy that uh, the Black Collective 
in in um, uh, in Tacoma Pierce County, in Seattle King County, in all up and down I five because. I mean, we're black no matter, no matter where we are along that I-5 corridor, uh, that we got to have uh, uh, Sheila Lang uh, uh, come into uh, our community as the new chancellor of the Tacoma, of the University of Washington, Tacoma. And, um, and thank you all for your support in King County and helping her uh, move into that position. Uh, many of the black people in King County were uh, instrumental uh, in that process. I also want to say about Dr. Lang, she was also instrumental in uh, assisting with the forming of the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority. Mm-hmm. The SVI building was initially the Seattle OIC, brought to Seattle by Reverend mm-hmm. Samuel Mary McKinney. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that property has been transferred to the Black community. And I shared some information on the Public Development Authority. Uh, we had to, I was had fortunate to have Representative Sharon Santos be the sole sponsor, but if, uh, no opposition in the House and so the board has been formed, and uh, so we have uh, retained uh, some piece of history in the black community in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Lyle, I mean, I really want to thank all the work that you and Wayne do. And I got to apologize to uh, Bill Dickens. I didn't miss two meetings, but I've been keeping him uh, filled in with other information. And uh, so there's some information I'm going to share with you on this MLK Gandhi initiative. We finally got a response from the chair of the Washington State CEO Roundtable. They're supposed to have uh, $2 billion to invest in the black community and organizations and businesses over the next five years. So we got the MLK Gandhi package uh, on their desk, and I will keep you posted because it starts in Seattle or in, in King County and go right, right across the line to the black elected in Pierce County. So thank both of y'all. I appreciate what you're doing, and I'll see you this weekend down in Tacoma. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, now. Okay, I want to let people know that uh, the Seattle Medium have their primary election endorsements on the front page of the paper. So uh, if you don't have any idea, want to read up on who some of the candidates are, you can grab your Medium newspaper. I also want to give a shout out uh, 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 to uh, Nicholas uh, Brown, Nick Brown. He has been uh, nominated to be the U.S. Attorney for the Western Washington District, uh, Western District of Washington. He used to be uh, the attorney for Governor Jay Inslee a few years back. So congratulations to, to Nick Brown. Uh, hopefully he should be confirmed by the Senate without any problems whatsoever. So anyway, this has been uh, Eddie Rye with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. Go to urbanforumnw.com for archive programs and up-to-date information about your community. Uh, talk to you next week.